You thought you'd gotten rid of us, didn't you? But you were wrong, old Bean. Because we're back with a vengeance. Good sight for Queen, our son. From studios in Hollywood, California, rural southern Indiana, and the hinterlands of North Dakota, this is the Live, Laugh, Golf Podcast. And now, here are your hosts, Desert Duffer, OTB Lefty, and Jay Score. Welcome back, folks, to the podcast. Duffer here in Hollywood with me as usual from Indiana, OTP Lefty. Hello. Hello in the house. Great weekend. Great to be back. And a special remote appearance from J-Score. He's in Las Vegas, Nevada, the entertainment capital of the world. J-Score, how are the cards treating you? We haven't hit the tables yet, but I can only assume good things are coming my way. I can't. How many hours have you been there? Uh, We got here at about 1045 this morning. I'd be down a grand. It's 3.30, folks, for those of you who don't have a timestamp on your podcast. All right, we, we've, we've got lots to talk about. I've got, I don't know about you guys, but I've got playoff fever. This is the week of the second round of the PGA Tour FedEx playoffs. Playoffs? This week's tournament is what I like to call the due diligence invitational, DBA, the BMW championship. How ridiculous is it that this tournament is being held in the state of Delaware? Like, they didn't have a tournament on the PGA Tour in Boston or New York or Chicago this year, but we're yeah, in I Delaware was, for the playoffs? I thought this was still in the Chicago area, at least, but I, I'm, I'm learning it's in Delaware. I didn't, I didn't, a- apparently I forgot Delaware, Delaware is a state. Apparently, Delaware is near Pennsylvania. It's a small state. Our president apparently moved there at some point in his lifetime. I guess he was originally from Scranton, Pennsylvania, and then he and his family took the horse and carriage to uh, to, to Delaware. Yeah. Hey, maybe maybe it's <laughs> that great. was an maybe old it's, joke. On maybe mine. it's secretly great because it's a neutral location. Nobody's from there. Nobody lives there. Nobody's been. Has anyone been there? I mean, like other to have your deposition taken or to file amended articles of incorporation or something Open an like LLC. I've been, has, I've, a, I've has been, a tourist ever gone to Delaware? No. I mean, a, a tourist stopped to use the bathroom on their way to Pennsylvania. Um, <laughs> All right. I know I, I, did. I mean, I think that this could have been the biggest sporting event in Delaware history. You guys, do you know of anything that was bigger? I've got a, I've got a nominee. What do you got? Um, there's an event called Pumpkin Chunkin'. Um, Pumpkin that is the world championships of pumpkin launching that I would I, like I've to heard nominate. of this. And and it's but it's not it's not pumpkin chunkin or pumpkin chuckin pumpkin chunkin pumpkin chunkin that's pumpkin the spelling p u n k i n uh, I I've heard of that but we, we'll talk about that I think because I've actually done some research on the pumpkin chunkin but it, some other things that are real sports Dover Speedway to, Dover Speedway's the, there that's right apparently they have NASCAR races at the Dover Motor Speedway Dover for those of you at home is the capital of Delaware. <laughs> I did not know track. that. So that's a big thing. Also, with respect to golf, the 1971 US Am was held at the very club that today this weekend's tournament was held at, the Wilmington Country Club. Uh, that tournament was won by Gary Cowan, who made eagle on 18. He had a one-stroke lead going into the 18th hole, put his tee shot into the rough, into a bad spot, and apparently trickled one in to make eagle. He won the 71 US Amateur. But what was probably... The most notable aspect of the 71 USAM was that future husband of future hater and loser of the week, Julie Crenshaw, Ben Crenshaw, actually participated in the 1971 USAM. Excellent. He did not win. The 71 uh, amateur came up on the broadcast today, Dan Hicks, talking about Corey Connors, who 
knocked it up for two gimmies on the way in. We talked to Connor's caddy and asked him if he knew the Cowan story. And he said, oh, I let him know. Oh, right. Very proud. That stuff sticks. Canadians. The Canadians are very proud people. That was actually, from what I understand, Gary Cowan's second USAM title. He won also in 1966 at Marion Country Club. So that's no joke. Good day for Gary Cowan, a fine amateur player in his own right. Uh, other sports. So there's the the famous Route One football rivalry. You guys know about that one, right? Of course. <laughs> yeah, the point. Delaware. But, but Blue why don't why don't why don't you tell me about it though? The Delaware Blue Hens and the Delaware State Hornets. They're both. They were Division One A, One Double A. You know the stinky one, the stinky division in college football. The Blue Hens. You know they're in the Colonial Conference or something. The Delaware State. <laughs> Delaware State is a historically black college and university. From what I understand, this rivalry has only been held 10 times, and I think Delaware has won all 10. So that Juggernaut. none of those games is probably going to be the big winner for the greatest sporting event ever. So that leads us to, I guess, the Pumpkin Chunkin'. Okay. Yes. Was there a, uh, oh, was there a best finally. year for the Pumpkin Chunkin'? Let, you know, opinions vary. Opinions vary. <laughs> like, I mean, I watched, watched a lot of highlights, as as part of the research, I want to tell you the numbers are shocking. So I won't stand. I won't. I don't want to go first and say what my favorite thing is. But yes, I will. My favorite thing is that there's a, there's a male and female division somehow. There's a well, female champion. Uh, it's it has so to do forward with, thinking, and there has been since the since the beginning, since the inception of the punk and chunkin. I couldn't say that. That I don't know, but I know there's an individual world record, and that's that to me is amazing. You say individual, but my understanding is this. This is a team sport. It takes more than one. No one man or woman is bigger than the punk and chunk in competition. This is a team effort, right? I'm saying check it out. To me, it seems a little bit like Rube Goldberg-like. The uh, the amount of technology and uh, mechanical know-how that goes into this is astounding. What do you think the world record wait, wait, wait. for the so, far- so you're well, not just... I so so there's so there are mechanics involved. You're not just it's not a bunch of guys with like, you know, a, a big rope that have to swing it and throw it. There's no slingshot. We're using we're using mechanics. This is not the Highland Games. This is like <laughs> the the American war machine at work for recreation. One hundred percent. Can we get so to it, it? What do you think so the I, farthest pumpkin shot ever shot was with air power? Three hundred yards. Three hundred yards. That'd be nine hundred feet. Yeah. Score, you got a guess, babe? Uh, I mean, it's got it. I'm going to take the over. I don't have an exact number, but it's definitely over than that. 901, he bids. Bob Barker would be <laughs> proud. The answer is 4,694 feet. Get, oh, the, get out of here. Nine tenths of a mile absurd. if you're nasty. All right. So they're using, is this gas powered? Are they using explosives? This particular one is air uh, air powered. There are, there's a catapult division. There is a centrifugal Division using ro- some kind of rotary power, maybe like a discus style. Oh, the catapult! Um, you know, mechanical power, of- human power. Thirty-seven people on bicycles in the background transferring that power. The new um, Game of Thrones show premieres today, apparently on HBO. So there may be some catapults involved in my evening tonight. So that's that's a timely discussion of the <laughs> punk and junk and world you, you record. Look, you, so do we know the name of this team or the or the star of the team is there a tiger woods of the punk and chunkin competition who set that world record uh, well let's look it up quickly the captain brian labry there you go La, there you go Labrie, he's a he's a world record holder and this thing absolutely looks like a weapon 
Brian Labrie, we have named you. You are the Tiger Woods of Punk and Chunkin'. Congratulations. You are, I, I don't know if he's from Delaware, but if he is, he's certainly got to be one of the most famous Delaware natives. So let's talk about famous Delaware natives. Joe Biden is not, he was not born, as I said, in Delaware. He's from Pennsylvania. So you're out, Joe Biden. But Henry Heimlich, inventor of the Heimlich maneuver, which- The Henry Heimlich? Yeah, the Henry Heimlich saved untold numbers of lives in in this country and around the world uh, after first publishing (laughs) Heimlich Maneuver in a medical journal in 1974. He's from Delaware, so he's a heavy favorite. Valerie Bertinelli. Jay Score, do you know who Valerie Bertinelli is? Uh, I've heard the name. I think my dad or grandpa has mentioned that name before. But uh, So, OTP, it, you probably know. Oh, yeah. Uh, Jesse, uh, given your age, there's a good chance that you were made while your dad was thinking about Valerie Bertinelli. <laughs> no offense to your Valerie mother. Bertinelli is <laughs> also the, she had a the ex-wife show, of the late... My mom's favorite. Like, great stuff. Wife of the late, great Eddie Van Halen. Rest in peace. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Here's my pick for the most famous and the most wondrous Delaware native... April Ludgate from Parks and Recreation. Aubrey Plaza is from ah. Delaware. Yeah, apparently from Wilmington, Delaware. And apparently she was quite a quite an athlete in high school. So it may be that the most famous, the biggest sporting event in Delaware history was some high school basketball game that Aubrey Plaza played in. Hmm. Sick. That's my I mean, that's well, my best. So guess. so Duff, you mentioned you mentioned Biden. Did I hear that Biden's a member at Wilmington Country Club? I heard that. I don't know if it's true, but I did hear that Biden is. Are are you suggesting something nefarious? How are the membership fees doing this year? They're going up. They're going up a lot. Well, well I'm I not going to touch that. But I, <laughs> to me, I it's weird. So has, has there hasn't been an event in the Chicago area? I thought this event was in Illinois. So to find out, yeah, it was I don't in know Delaware. why you keep saying that. But it's not. I may, you know the BMW Championship, whatever it is, has been held in ten different cities since it's been. Part of the FedEx playoffs. Yes, I don't. Well, the Western I mean, Golf I, Association. He has a point here. The Western Golf Association, headquartered Chicago, I believe, and put on this tournament for a hundred years, and it used to be a major, and now it's prelude to. Yeah, a well, it's, I mean, it's it's I, playoffs. Playoffs. I just yeah. I just find it, you know, I just find it a little bit curious. Is all that uh, Jay Monahan moves the tournament to Joe Biden's country club in, you know, coincidentally. The year, uh, maybe the biggest year in PGA in the, Tour In the face history. of a DOJ investigation into antitrust violations by the PGA Tour. <laughs> I, You know, when I, a couple episodes ago, we talked about antitrust exemptions and the MLB and, and these different things. And it got me thinking, Duff, if, if, if I were Big J and I were trying to achieve something that is, at this point, almost unthinkable with getting an antitrust exemption for my nonprofit sports organization, bringing the traveling circus to the site of the current president's country club sure, might be a sure. good step in the right direction. I mean, Biden, Biden knows some Congress people, apparently has some friends in Congress. Chuck Schumer and Biden clearly have a relationship of some sort. I think it makes perfect sense, Jay Score, and I'm not going to rule it out. But I'm just uh, asking the move questions. Up. Listen, who, who, we don't know, but it's it's certainly not out of the realm of possibility. Yes, but what we do know, people. we do know that this was <laughs> round two of the FedEx Cup playoffs. Playoffs? Yes, Jim. It's it's the playoffs, the FedEx Cup playoffs. 
We have a winner. It's Patrick Cantlay, the most exciting golfer in pro golf today. He got it done with, you know, the style of play that only Patrick Cantlay can display. Back to back. I mean, who could could you imagine being Patrick Cantlay right now and just the feeling like what does that feel like to win the prestigious BMW championship being legitimately defending a tournament win in a subsequent year is huge any level of golf yeah, in, yeah it's a story like non-fit it's, it's been held by the likes of billy horschel from what i understand yeah he, uh, paul azinger told me it was the oldest trophy in on the pga tour apparently that might not be true I, but I, somebody should fact check that for sure but <laughs> I, I i would love i would love to see the whoop data on that you know his heart rate got up to 59 at some point <laughs> He, he makes it look like walking down a hallway, which if Registered he did it with pulse. a little bit of a plum or if he had a funny Twitter or something, people would make him out to be like this mythical character who's never breaks character, right? He's so, super tough and laser focused and all that stuff. If you just won more, if you just got more out of it, you show yeah, up I mean, on he the won a lot last year. He had a good year. He got yeah. a little gassy down the stretch today. He like, won the Fed he won the FedEx Cup, but a lot of that's well timed. This is not like he's just bored and personified. Some people want to call that guy a killer like he's, you know, some kind of international assassin. To me, he's a civil engineer with a good golf swing. Well, let's say if you paid if it's true that Liv paid, let's say Dustin Johnson 150 million dollars to go to Liv. And let's say it was at the same time. What would you have paid Patrick Cantlay? What kind of he's obviously a great player, one of the ten certainly best players on the PGA tour right now. What is his value to fans? Are are you dying to see him on the live tour? Ooh, it depends on what you can put together for him. Like what kind of package can you put together? There's 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 social media that's gotta get done, there's regular media media that's gotta get done, there's availability, there's a little bit of pumping up his his baby face image or his heel image or something. You know, less so, than one fifty. So I'm going to come in. I'm going to swoop in. I'm going to defend Patrick Cantlay for on a couple different fronts. At, on live, absolutely. We got hot mics everywhere. The one thing that made me fall in love with Patrick Cantlay was a few years back. Got caught on a hot mic talking about how he can't wait to go have some mai tais. Made a couple of disparaging remarks about his PGA Tour peers. I'm not going to repeat it here. It's a family show and all. But more so than that, like I'm hyped. Patrick Cantlay winning certainly beats out Scott Stallings. I can't remember the last time Scott Stallings won an event. I can't remember the last time he was relevant. Patrick Cantley's won darn near triple the amount of time Scott Stallings has won. So Patrick yeah, Cantley, I mean, I, I, okay. I, I, I'm a listen, big Cantley guy. I wasn't, I wasn't privy to the Mai Tai comments. I love a hot mic. There were some hot mics out there this week. Uh, Justin Thomas could have been Thursday before his round. On the driving range, I was watching him on the ESPN. So at ESPN Plus, it must have been Thursday. And they had mics open with Jordan Spieth hitting balls next to Justin Thomas. And you got to hear Justin Thomas talking business. He was clearly talking about the Discovery Land properties and the owner of the Discovery Land properties and was talking about that he thought the guy might be overextended. He was opening too many properties international. <laughs> That's the stuff I would pay to hear. We need more of that. I don't think it was an accident, that open mic. I think uh, the PJ Tour knows what it's doing. <laughs> yeah. uh, other Speaking of mics and discussions, on course, we had Spieth doing Jordan Spieth. The most exciting thing he did this week was yesterday. Uh, in the third round, he was on the fifth hole. He was tied for the lead at the time. He hit his tee shot, par four. He hit his tee shot to the left in a bunker. And the broadcast cut over to Spieth and Greller 
in mid-conversation. Greller was clearly trying to tell him that he should not go for this green over the water because if he hit it fat, he would hit it into the water. And Jordan Spieth did Jordan Spieth and spent three minutes explaining all the reasons why that water wasn't in play and why this was a good move. And Greller told him, you know, that it'd be a great Tuesday or Wednesday shot. I'd love to see you try it. But we're in a tournament. <laughs> and, and Spieth, and you could just see the look of exasperation in Gre- on Greller's face just before Spieth walks up, fats it into the water, and Love ends that. up making double. And that was the end of his tournament. That's just That's great. so Jordan Spieth. Goodness gracious. That's why you love him. But it's also somebody spending your money. Like, gosh, yeah. you're, trying to, you're trying to take care of this kid. And it's like, just left brain it one time. <laughs> just left brain it one time, baby. Well, it's one Spieth shot. Did it's a what's- marathon. He did what he does. He played himself out of the tournament yesterday. But then today, he birdied four of his last five holes to shoot 69 and backdoor a top 20. So congratulations, Jordan. We'll see you next week where you will not win. Also backdooring, Rory. Typical Rory. Did nothing all day today. Didn't have a birdie all day. And then birdied his last three holes to backdoor. I think he was a T9. Is that right, J-Score? Yep. He was he was my pick to win this week and and I, you know, with the caveat of knowing he's going to, you know, at some point come out looking just absolutely flat and pedestrian, but uh, you know, thrilled Rory, thrilled for the he, top 10. Yeah, Rory actually led the field in strokes gained tee to green this week, but he was worthless on the greens. He was minus a, over a stroke per day on average and that's why he didn't win the tournament uh we should say we did offline have our little gambling competition ten dollars each j score mm-hmm. as you said you picked rory i happened to yes. pick justin thomas who absolutely stunk for the last three days i don't know where he finished but it was near the bottom i did not win <laughs> that leads us to our winner otp lefty who did you pick buddy thank you thank you uh we had aussie adam scott who got fifth and uh made a marvelous par save at the last from a basically a belt high lie on a second shot into a bunker 35-yard bunker shot, knocks it up for a gimme. And Paul Azinger, who just, you couldn't measure the value, the guaranteed, not enough guaranteed money for Willie Z last week. Well, Adam Scott made a half-million-dollar bunker shot this week, folks. <laughs> when the mood strikes us, we can come up with something that will get someone's attention. It's not yeah, about money, the money until money matters it's exactly when it matters, about but the not money. It, <laughs> See, yeah, sorry, it was a great say, shot. I I. <clears throat> Almost didn't recognize Adam Scott today wearing a color that wasn't beige. And then I feel like I just got to fit it in here. Like blue today. It, it, it He looked dapper. But then I got to say, like, watching Aaron Wise do the same Adam Scott anchored putter broomstick routine. I, I saw a lot of Aaron Wise today and I I just got to fit it in. I, I could do without that. I'm sure he's a great guy. Never met him, but. I just can we can we be done with the the anchoring broomstick stuff? Yeah, we say yeah. we want that bubble. See people on the bubble of things, and then we get to see who that is, and it's like, wait, no, I don't care. I don't want to see that yeah. guy. Um, unreal. We should mention Scott Stallings. Stallings was low mass hole this week. Keegan Bradley had the lead <laughs> after the first low, round. Keegan, low state trooper. <laughs> Keegan is. I guess he was born in Vermont and then lived in New Hampshire, but I guess he spent high school in Hopkins. He's a mass hole in my book. Scott Stallings is from Worcester. Uh, he he had the lead much of the day. He was in uh, you know excellent position, but then he faded down the stretch. He still shot sixty nine. He finished second, uh, and he got himself into the tour championship. So that's really all you can ask for. Uh, hey, faded. For he's Scott. a looker. So you know, congratulations looker, to Scott and his family. I mean, he's still bouncing back from that. He, I just think he got a bad reputation from. 
you know, the whole doping thing. I don't think he does steroids. Was that like that, 10 that was years a, that, ago? Yeah, it was Tim Fincham, the whole steroids thing. He, you know, he, was, he got railroaded. They throw so, him out of the police academy for that. Can, can somebody him, he'd, can he'd never make the stadies? Can somebody <laughs> let me know? I, I I'm too lazy to look it up, but can somebody tell me how Scott Stallings is still on tour? I was he's he's only made a cut in a major three times in his whole career. He hasn't won since 2014. What kind of well, exemptions? We know, we know or what kind of what is going on here? What why is he still around? Yeah, well, he's the poster boy. He's the reason Live Golf exists. He's what Phil Mickelson has been railing against for years. He's what Billy Horschel used to rail against until he was told that he stopped railing <laughs> against it. It's the mediocrity of this tour. I actually, you know, it's funny you mentioned that, Jay Score. I've got a quote from Billy Horschel before he turned super rabid PGA Tour defender. He had this quote. This was just last year. He said, we should make the tour more competitive. We should change the way the money pays out where the top 30, 40 guys get paid a lot of money. And then you don't get paid as much as down below. So it really pushes guys to really do everything they can to be the best player they can be. Moreover, he said, instead of giving 125 cards every year, the PGA Tour should cut it down to 100. And corn fairy cards from 50 to 30. Now you're getting the better players week in and week out. And that's exactly what led to the live tour. And as we'll talk about, that's what Shipnock has to say that Tiger and Rory are looking to do with the PGA Tour. So credit to old Horschel, no credit to new Horschel. Uh, Jesse, I got a Scott Stallings career update for you. So in in 2014, he won the Farmer's Insurance uh, open still managed to finish 84th on the money list uh, with that being his <laughs> only top 25. Oh, oh no. Uh, made 12 cuts, missed 16 others outside the top 125 the next two years. And then basically from 90 to 110 until this year. Again, I don't know. I don't know what's out there. We can't get a, we can't get a PGA tour event in Boston and now Liv's going to take over that market, but maybe we could go to Wooster. And Parsi Ali, the fireman, could play Worcester. Scott Stallings. Everybody knows. Yeah, we could. We, I, I saw Parsi Ali, the I, fireman, could play Stallings, the cop. Worcester <laughs> has a special place in my heart because I saw Prince of the Revolution on the Purple Purple Rain tour there back in 1984. I think it was it was a spectacular show. Sheila E on the drums. <laughs> All right. Uh, the only other thing I think we should mention about the tournament: Will Zalatoris was playing okay. He hurt his back yesterday early in the round and had to withdraw. He gets no FedEx Cup points, but he is obviously still in the Tour Championship, but we don't know if his back is going to be healed and whether he's going to be able to play. I worry about that guy. That's the thing about these little guys. I mean, he hits it hard. There's all that torque on that little body. It's like the Tim Lincecum, Pedro Martinez kind of situation where you just think, how does that little person generate that kind of speed? And you know, for a 24-year-old to be having back problems and leaving tournaments. That's that's concerning. A lot of torque. Yeah. All right. Moving on. Before this tournament started, we had a big meeting on Tuesday. Tiger Woods flew in from somewhere in Florida with Ricky Fowler in tow, and he held a meeting at the Hotel DuPont. <laughs> there were somewhere between 15 and 22 players. Reports vary. They were only the top players. And apparently this was on the same day or the day before, there was also a meeting of the PGA Tour Player Advisory Council. Everybody was pretty tight-lipped immediately afterward, except for Rory, who basically just had to say that Tiger was... I mean, I think it's pretty apparent that whenever we all get in the room, there's an alpha in there, yeah. and it's not me. <laughs> 
yeah, he basically he said he was a, a girly man, I guess. So there was a meeting. We didn't know what happened until yesterday. We heard from Alan Shipnuck of the Fire Pit Collective. And I, before we start, I should say that Alan filed a report. We don't know how accurate that was. A source, a source with direct knowledge, Duff. It doesn't get much more accurate than that. I mean, what yeah, more do well, you want? I, you know what's funny? I, I listened to the John Rahm press conference before the tournament started, and Alan Shipnuck actually came up in John Rahm's press conference on Tuesday. So I'll, I'll let you know what John Rahm had to say. I saw Alan Shipnuck tweeted something, I know, the most reliable source in golf. Um, so I, I, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, so Shipnuck apparently had a source in the room. It clearly wasn't John Rahm. It doesn't say that. Dove, it doesn't say that. It says a source with direct knowledge. What does direct knowledge mean? I'm looking for the answer. All right, so here's what Shipnuck had to say. He said that Tiger led the meeting, and what was proposed was the formation of a tour within a tour that would have up to 18 no-cut tournaments featuring the top 60 players competing for $20 million purses. I'm sure some of this sounds familiar. There were going to be two per month in January, between January and August. The lesser players, the players who aren't in the top 60, would be playing in the lower lower money tournaments, the, the worst tournaments for far less money. <laughs> so also in Shipnuck's report, he said that Liv is going to announce apparently one day after the end of the tour championship, seven new signees, including one long rumored superstar that we have to assume is Cameron Smith. You guys have any ideas who the other six may be? Have you heard anything? Yeah. So yes. I'm assuming Mark Leishman is in the mix. Uh, Walking Neiman has been rumored. Hideki Matsuyama. But I know some of these guys' names are also sort of ebbing and flowing, right? They, they get hot and then it gets cold. Well, first of all, how much credence do you give Shipnuck in anything he had to say in this report? Are you buying this story about the 18 tournaments? Uh, the big thing is that, you know, the structure of the tour, part of what was supposedly floated in this meeting is that the tour was going to withdraw or rescind its 501c6 status, which is the IRS code that has hamstrung the PGA Tour in so many ways. It prohibits the PGA Tour from giving benefits to any individual. That's the private inurement doctrine. And what that means basically is the PGA Tour can't just give Tiger Woods profits from the revenues that the PGA Tour generates or to Phil Mickelson. And so if they restructured the organization to be a for-profit corporation, they could get buy-in from billionaires, private equity funds, and eventually take the organization public. This is all very similar to the ideas that have been floated by the British banker guy, the premier golf league, Andy Gardner. And it's the idea that has been rejected by the policy board. Rory McIlroy apparently brought this idea to the policy board several months ago. And Jay Monahan and the board had outside accountants that said the revenue projections were just not viable. So I, for one, I I'm all about it. I mean, as a golf fan, I want to see the best guys tee it up, put a peg in the turf at the same spots, in the same conditions as often as possible. So at the end of the day, as a golf fan, yeah, let's do this. Now, does it seem a little bit uh, maybe too little too late? Who can say? Uh, But it it certainly feels familiar. Uh, And I mean, again, 
a lot of people, I'm sure a lot of people have direct knowledge of the situation. So who knows what will actually come out of this thing. But I got to say, Duff, as a golf fan, uh, this is kind of exactly what I'm looking for is just seeing the best guys, most entertaining guys play against each other in smaller fields. And well, more yeah, often. it's the live idea, isn't it? And and Shipnug tried to portray this as Tiger trying to save the tour, but it's hard to see it as anything other than what Phil has been saying publicly for over a year and he got torn apart for. What happened to legacy, not leverage? We are and we always will be focused on legacy, not leverage. I mean, isn't this Tiger and Rory and the top players getting together and trying to use their leverage to change the tour so that they can make more money? Isn't that exactly what this is? So that's it. So it's interesting to read a lot of this because a lot of people, obviously Tiger, PGA Tour is critical to his legacy, right? If the if the league tears apart and kind of becomes a story of yesterday, much less grandeur in Tiger's accomplishments. But the other thing that I keep kind of reading between the lines in these articles is how savvy of a businessman Tiger is. You know, you know, copyright Jay-Z, I'm not a businessman, I'm a business man. And if Tiger truly turned down 700, 800 million bucks from Live to be involved, what do you think he stands to gain from what he's proposing here? That's well, a lot of money. There's, there's no doubt he's going to get equity. But here's the issue, I think. Remember, the tour is actually controlled by the policy board. The members, yep. the players do not have voting control over this organization. So this meeting that was just the top 15 or the top 20 players cannot, con- first of all, even if they convince the rank and file tour membership that this is a good idea, the policy board, the independent directors can totally overrule it. And even if the lower players decide that this plan is not good for them, and it's only good for these top players, and they have a vote, and those 120 players say, no, we like the current tour, we don't want to do that. Well, that same policy board can say, yeah, well, too bad, we're going to do what Tiger says, because if Tiger leaves, we don't have anything anymore. So but, I, that's the interesting part to me. But Duff, isn't isn't Cantley joining the board next year, making it a five-five even split? No, it's not a five-five even split. There are six independent directors. It's just going to be one more. The players still won't have control, and it doesn't really matter anyway because Rory is on the policy board, and Rory's one of the guys who are apparently bringing it to them. So that's a vote for Tiger and Rory. Yeah, the bureaucracy Another- is ne- the bureaucracy is never going to let these guys break the de facto union. It's just not going to happen. The all exempt tour is has to be slain for this to work. Like it, it is totally a cribbed idea. the The basis is the same. The difference is they have the television thing already in. So they have a source of money that works and scales and can get can get them close if they can get the schedule pared down. But you've got to do something with the 75 guys that are on the welfare tour. I don't know. I have to be honest. I think that despite what Monaghan had to say, despite his claim that we're about legacy, not leverage, leverage is what matters. If Tiger and Rory and Jordan Spieth and Justin Thomas – go into Jay Monahan's office or they go into the policy board and they say, I don't care what those other guys say. Here's the deal. We're going to resign our memberships and start a new tour or you do it our way. Well, what's the board going to do? That's what they're, they're going to have to do. I mean, again, there is no actual power. There is no real union. Those players, numbers 61 through 125, 
don't have any power. And it's really a too bad, so sad situation. I'm sure the Tiger's going to try and sell it to them that you're going to make more money too. This is good. The pie is going to get bigger. Everyone's going to get richer. And that may be true. That's exactly what Andy Gardner has been saying. But if it is true, this has got to be a repudiation of what Jay Monahan has been saying to the membership all this time that the Premier Golf League plan was not viable, right? Tiger's also got about 12 tournaments left to play. What kind of commitment does he have to make? Because he's the only real value in the TV deal. Like, what do you think he has to tell people to get going? Because I have a little thought. Well, he's going to be a captain. I, I mean, Tiger Woods riding around in a cart. I, I mean, he can play in a cart. We see. We saw the the ratings for the match that Tiger's in do better than a rank and file PGA event. I mean, Tiger's going to move the needle no matter what. I've always said that the Champions Tour would be bigger than the regular tour if Tiger decided tomorrow that he was going to play with the old guys. Yep, I agree with that. And I think they ought to just change a rule very quickly here for the next season. And just allow carts in special circumstances. Because I happen to know one special circumstance that would guarantee them 12 starts, 15 starts. Yeah. So, well, unfortunately, Tiger has publicly said that he wouldn't do it. He doesn't want to play in a cart. Oh, Which, you know, everything changes when a couple hundred million dollars comes that's into right. play. That's for Tom's, baby. Well, so is that – so today there's uh, an article from Amon Lynch about – Tiger and Rory spearheading a uh, one-day technology bonanza type of event. And so to the to the point that Tiger isn't going to cart around, would he sit in a top golf bay and hit dingers? Yeah, I don't know. You should be – so I don't have that story in front of us, J-Score. You should read kind of the highlights of that story because people probably don't know about it. It just came out a couple of hours ago. What are you talking about? What is this stadium exhibition series? Yeah, absolutely, Duff. So I'm I'm trying to unpack it myself because the Shipnuck article supposedly, you know, these these inner circle type of discussions. I don't know if this Lynch article is actually what came about that players only meeting, or if this is in addition to the live concepts that have also been or live and PGL concepts that have also been discussed. So Lynch has an article today on USA Today about one day events that are intended to be complementary to the PGA tour schedule launch in 2024 and essentially be it feels kind of like big break to be honest with you where people are going head to head on these sort of exhibition type of golf skill contests whether it's long drive closest to hit a target whatever it might be it's like the all-star game skills competition what are we doing here i mean just a couple of weeks ago he was making fun of these events being only 54 holes and what happened to gotta dig it out in the dirt and now we're doing you know we're doing no go get the back of your four iron tiger woods for reverse club bonanza it, it I mean, how ridiculous. quickly how quickly we went from like no cut events are bogus exhibitions to we're going to have two guys hit dingers out of the third level in a top golf and see who can. It, it's also it a defense. case of we we got some media up one, upmanship here. I don't know. Amon Lynch apparently clearly feels like he got scooped by Shipnuck. One of these guys obviously has totally wrong intel. You know, Maybe both. We, <laughs> do we have sixty person events? Eighteen of them. Or Amon Lynch says we're doing non-green grass stadium environment one-day competitions that apparently Commissioner Jay Monahan is going to announce. So this is at Monahan's behest. Who to believe between well, these two media geniuses? And again, as a golf fan, I've been clamoring, clamoring for a tractor pull, monster jam, WWE event meets <laughs> pro golf. 
just absolute bonanza. You got ribs cooking on the smoker. You got demo derby later that night. I want to see just chaos flags hanging off of RVs. So as a golf fan, Duff, I, I couldn't be more excited about all these rumors coming out. Of, of, I, of One of the other things that, that's interesting about all this is behind both of these stories is this mysterious Irish billionaire, J.P. McManus. He's the guy who owns Adare Manor. And he held the Pro-Am before the Scottish Open a couple of months ago. What is the deal with this guy? Nobody knows where his money came from. He owned Manchester United, I guess, at some point. He's a horse race owner. But he's been investigated for a couple of reasons. Mm-hmm. I don't know what Native the deal charges is. charges like guy. Rocky. So, I mean, of all, there are a lot of billionaires in the world. And of all of them, this is the guy that's going to be the money behind whatever new PGA Tour venture Tiger Woods and Rory McIlroy are cooking up. I, I don't Listen, know if that's Duff. great. Listen, Duff, I'll just say this. Anybody who's involved in cryptocurrency and horse racing, I'm giving all my blind trust to and all my money. That's all I got to say. <laughs> yeah, I got a sheet you can buy to, coming out tomorrow, an hour before post for five bucks. Had the daily double. All right. Um, uh, other news this week, we had a little litigation action. We've got the Patrick Reed lawsuit that we haven't talked about, but everybody else has talked about. Patrick Reed sued Brandel Chambly and the Golf Channel for defamation and civil conspiracy in federal court in the Southern District of Texas this week. Everything that needs to be said about it has been said, I think. He's looking for $750 million. That's absurd. Most of the (laughs) statements that he claims were libelous or slanderous were not really mostly their opinions or just truthful facts about things that Patrick Reed did. Uh, So I don't think this case has a lot of merit, but I think what some of the people in the media have missed is the discovery potential. Most people have said, oh, this case is so frivolous, it's never going to make it to discovery. Well, what the media doesn't do is actually look into the court where this case is being litigated. And that courtroom is Judge Bennett of the Southern District. And Judge Bennett has his own rules about discovery. And his own rules say, as soon as the complaint is served in a case, discovery may begin. Usually it doesn't begin before this thing called the Rule 26 conference that can sometimes be delayed for a few months. Okay, got a question. Yeah. How does how do you start that? If, I, if I'm representing somebody and I'm suing your guy, what does it start? I, I have, to, yeah, I have di- to, I want to find out specific things. What do I, what am I asking? Yeah. Discovery is written. So there, there are requests for admission, there are written interrogatories, and then there are requests for production of documents. They're all written. So the lawyers from one side write out this thing. And the most important one generally is going to be the RFPs, the request for production of documents. So they, it's a sheet of paper saying, produce all communications with the masters, all communications between uh, Jay Monahan and the RNA, all communications between Jay Monahan and Mike Wan. And this is a multi-page document and you ask for everything you want. Yeah. Can you fight it? Yes. How How hard can you fight? So most of litigation in big law for especially young associates is spent in a letter writing campaign between between the two law firms where one side proposes requests for production and the other side says these are too broad they're unreasonable we won't produce them and they go back and forth and back and forth until one side or the other threatens to file a motion with the court and have the court decide it that will almost certainly happen here because again because judge bennett lets discovery happen right away and because the golf channel and brandel have a good chance of winning a motion to dismiss, they want to kind of drag things out 
and try to get that motion to dismiss heard and decided before they ever actually have to produce any documents or produce any witnesses for depositions. Man, so some, yes, there's going to be a lot of fighting. Someday we got to get transcripts because that was like a, there was so much punctuation in that paragraph you just spoke. Unbelievable. You're a walking semicolon. What three things, <laughs> what, what three things would you be asking for if you were helping Larry Clayman? Well, I don't know what Larry Clayman is actually looking for here other to, other than to maybe help some of the other live cases. So if I'm Larry Clayman and I'm trying to put myself in the good graces of Greg Norman or Gibson Dunn and Crutcher or live golf, uh, then I'm going to try to get evidence of some sort of conspiracy. So I will first be looking for those kind of communications with other organizations. Now, again, the Golf Channel will say this is not this is not relevant. So they will seek documents from the Golf Channel communicating with the PGA Tour. They will seek communications between Brandel Chambly and high and sources within the PGA Tour or sources within any of the other majors, trying to dig for any kind of information that can lead to other information. Those communications will be passed on to the live lawyers, to Phil Mickelson's lawyers. And they'll try to propound their discovery in their case based on on what is discovered there. If they're really if they're really partners, like I find out something about your company and discovery, like can I just turn around and go, hey, look, everybody, like that seems like that wouldn't be very legal. Well, we're getting into the weeds here a little bit. No, but in, let's in, let's in, not then. Just say okay. maybe. It depends, yeah. everybody. Yeah, it's a maybe. There's a protective order that that protects certain things. Some things can be shared. There are joint defense agreements. Uh, we, we'll get into that down the road somewhere, but I don't think we really need to talk about it right now. All right. That's the Patrick Reed lawsuit. Then there's the Phil Mickelson v. PGA Tour lawsuit in San Jose. There was a hearing, a last-minute short-notice conference scheduled by Judge Freeman to discuss a trial schedule. There was a little back and forth between the lawyers from the PGA Tour and the Live Tour or the PGA Tour and players. I say the Live Tour, you know, people are like, well, this isn't the Live Tour. That, that's correct. But it was acknowledged in court this week that Gibson Dunn and Crutcher does represent the Live Tour as well as the players that they're representing in this lawsuit. So there's absolutely a 100% chance that there's a joint defense agreement in this case and that when and if Live gets involved, uh, Gibson Dunn and Crutcher will likely represent them in some capacity. Uh, so the lawyers got into some back and forth, and ultimately Judge Freeman decided to settle trial date of January 8th, 2024, which is pretty quick, but not unheard of. So discovery in that case will get rolling pretty quickly. And if if the players feel as though the PGA Tour is dragging its feet, you will see motion practice on that front. Uh, Golf Twitter makes it sound like some of the plaintiffs in Mickelson at all might be dropping out. Is that is is Liv's lawsuit dead? What's going on there? What's what's with these rumors of guys dropping out of the lawsuit? Are they? Well, the lawsuit they is not ship? dead. The lawsuit's not dead. I don't know if it was just golf Twitter. I think there was a story. It may have been Bob Herrig wrote a story that said Paparez is leaving the lawsuit. All the guys with names ending in Z are leaving the lawsuit. <laughs> uh, as far as I know, it's just Carlos Ortiz and Pat Perez. It really doesn't matter for the lawsuit. And I think that was expressed to them probably by personal attorneys that, hey, Pat, you don't really need to be in this lawsuit to benefit from whatever may happen in this lawsuit. And all that being in the lawsuit is going to guarantee is that you get deposed and your communications get turned over. And so if you want to avoid that kind of stuff, you're probably best just dropping out of the lawsuit. And that's probably what happened here. You don't need 11 plaintiffs. 
so, there's a chance so that some me- of this stuff could be in the morning, Pat. So, yeah, I was, I was just thinking, like, nothing feels more on brand than Pat Perez. Like, oh, wait, if I'm in the lawsuit, I actually have to put in some effort or pay attention. But if I just yeah. take my name off, I can still benefit. And yeah, it's like, wait Ride a the second, private I plane could, and party with DJ and all that. What is the benefit? And I th- I think there was a quote in the Herrick story that he was kind of like, I just wanted to support the guys. But, uh, you know, <laughs> I don't really have a beef with the PGA Tour, so I'm just going to step back. But I, I wish everyone the best. <laughs> All these hey. conference calls are really just kind of cramping my schedule a little bit. I'd rather not be a part of that. Yeah. I mean, I'm watching my circadian rhythms closely. I've got to keep my hair looking perfect. Uh, Some of the time perfect. zone stuff's not working out. I'm feeling All good right. where I am. All right. Let's 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 move on. Let's get to haters and losers. I understand, OTP, that you've got a hater and loser. Last week, you came up. You, you left us disappointed. You didn't really have somebody. You turned down my offer of Paul Azinger. I understand that this week you, you're ready. Well, I want to be honest with you. I mean, I in a tribute to Azinger, I kind of choked under the pressure. I get excited when I have to do this stuff. <laughs> I, I couldn't read. I was so nervous that for me, I, I just I, have trouble deciding. I can't, my mouth, my mouth was so dry because of the pressure that I just couldn't even utter <laughs> couldn't anything spit. about it. I just couldn't spit. I, even though I love that feeling, I'm a fighter. All right, um, anyway, who do you got? I'm a big swinger. Uh, this week's hater and loser, Fred Couples, 15-time PGA Tour winner, does wow. not have a stake. In this game, does not have a dog in this fight yet. He feels compelled to go to some senior tour event. Canada the Champions Tour. Champions yeah. Tour. Oh, I'm sorry. PGA Tour Champions <laughs> event in Canada and talk about how 30 years ago Greg Norman wanted to do this and everybody just didn't like Greg Norman. So that's, you know, I'm it's sticking so with scummy. the tour. And I talked to Pat Perez and I've helped him with his golf game so many times, even though I don't really know him. Like, I grew up in that era. 1992 was the first year I played golf. Fred was the guy. All of this stuff. So much was made of the fact, well, when he's at home, he doesn't even answer the phone. And so much of that stuff. Give me a break. The guy had a bad back when he was 33 and never thought to exercise or go see a chiropractor (laughs) or get a golf lesson. And now he's he's coming out on people trying to get their golf life exactly right and get their money right and go try to do something a new way out of here, Freddie. How many Hater of these the guys would say it to the face person they're shitting on? Like, is he Fred couldn't Couples- say it to anyone's face. He's five foot four. Yeah. Fred Couples is not going to tell Greg Norman that nobody likes him. It's just so it's cowardly, right? I, anyway, I can't, I, mean, I can't stand it. it. I can't put, stand how it sounds. He was never able to build any business. He never had any personality. He was just pretty and he played good once a year. Jim Nance loves him so much. I mean, I hope that someday a woman loves me as much for as long as Jim Nance has loved and appreciated Fred Couples. Did you know they were roommates in college? Yeah. Well, anyway, out right, of here, Freddie. Freddie I out. mean, Freddie Couples, hater and loser of the week from OTP Lefty. Did you consider at all Davis Love the third? Was he in the running? Davis Love the Third is just kind of good for a top five finish. You know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) He'll be in the top five every week. All right. I don't have a hater and loser this week. Too many to choose from. I got to save some of my bullets. J-Score, hater and loser? I I don't, Duff. I got to be honest with you. I'm... I'm I'm in Sin City. I, I, I'm feeling yeah, good. So, all I'm, right. So let's I'm talk about it. that. Entertainment capital of the world. The folks may not know I am the Desert Duffer. The reason I'm called the Desert Duffer is because I did make my home in Las Vegas for a while. I've, I've spent a lot of time there. Where are you right now? Where are you located? 
I'm currently live uh, from Park MGM in my hotel Park room. MGM. Oh, what room? Yeah, I, formerly, yeah. formerly known as the Monte Carlo, a real shithole. It, yes, it's gotten it, a little bit better. Okay, I you know I thought we were keeping a PG, but since you brought it up, uh, Monte Carlo needed a little love, and Park MGM transformation has been spectacular. I'll say right, I, and, and it and also. I love it. There's a hotel within a hotel. I love a hotel within a hotel in the Las Nomad. Vegas. Like like at the Mandalay Bay, they have the Four Seasons Hotel. I love that. Uh, and in the Park MGM, they have the Nomad Hotel, which has an, an excellent restaurant and bar in there. And its yes. own high-limit casino. I don't know if you've been in there, Jason. Uh, I have not quite yet. <laughs> but I want Nomad Library, we're going to hit up the restaurant there uh, this trip. I my MGM status quite isn't up to getting in the Nomad rooms yet. You know, economics are certainly a factor here. But oh, you know how to we, fix that? Are we comped at the M, at Park MGM this week? We 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 are one hundred percent comped at Park All MGM. Right, no free ads. The, you know, but. except for the resort fee, which is of probably seventy nine dollars a night, right? It's it's hefty for the Wi Fi and a complimentary newspaper. If I decide to request it. Do we have any shows planned? Is Lady Gaga in town? I don't know who else is. Adele, is she doing a residency in Vegas these days? Who do we got? Uh, So my better half is more attuned to that side of the entertainment world. I tend to busy myself with the toy department that is known as professional golf. Uh, No no shows this time. I will say uh, Silk Sonic has got a residency here at the Dolby Digital Theater at Park MGM. I've heard they put on a good show. I've never seen I'm them sorry, the, Mars. I'm sorry, the Park MGM internet just crapped out on there for a sec on you for a second. What was the name of the act? Silk, Silk Sonic. Sonic. Yeah, it's Silk it's Sonic. Ander- right. Anderson Park and yeah, Anderson Park, Bruno Mars, an absolute uh just musician's soul splendor. Would love to see them sometime, but they are not doing any shows here while we're here. What about um, dining? Do we have any fine dining planned while we're in Vegas? Nothing too fancy. We're going to hit a couple new spots. Um, we're really just staying on property because it's like 107 degrees out here. Um, so we're going to try to just stay indoors. But Bavettes? Hit, will we go to Bavettes? We we probably will hit Bavettes. I do enjoy Bavettes, that. Bavettes, for those of us who are Chicago natives or have visited, is a wonderful steakhouse out of Chicago that they have an outpost in the Park MGM one of the best burgers in town. I highly recommend it. Great fries as well. Also, the Nomad Bar has an excellent burger. So if you get a chance, you can, you can do kind of a back-to-back, maybe a burger bang-bang situation we'll hit, there. We'll hit Nomad Library. We're going to hit Toscana. Um, I heard Javier's uh, next door, kind of, sort of, is good. Walk on um, over to, to the Aria. Javier's is right in the middle of the casino. Several kinds of margaritas i know you, know you like them mar- i know you like them with no sugar no agave you can get it yeah you know what what some of the kids call skinny margarita but we what we like to just call a proper margarita proper margarita love a proper margarita i had a good one at beer house uh i was shocked uh cadillac margarita at beer house of all places um was a proper margarita so uh, i and you've, you've got to tell mrs j score i was thinking about going out there to visit you guys I checked the weather forecast, and we're looking at 107 degrees tomorrow and 108 degrees Wednesday. The duffer isn't going into the desert at that temperature. So you're going to have fair. to do it without me this time. Check out also Jintai Fung for somebody from yes. Fargo who's probably never had really good soup dumplings or Jalong Bao, as we like to call it on the West Coast. That's the place for you. It'll change the way you look it, at Chinese food. Yeah. 
I'm a big dumpling guy, and I've got that noted down as a as a must try this trip. All right. Amazing. Anything else, Jay? Uh, OTP. What do you got? Got two quick things. Um, on a somber note, 1973 champion golfer of the year Tom Weiskopf passed away uh, after a long battle with cancer. The next Nicholas, they called him. I enjoyed every interview that I ever read about him. He was a thoughtful person who confronted difficult things in his life, was a tremendous player and a great golf tour course designer. I have a lot of respect for that guy. So rest in peace. Our best uh, best thoughts and condolences to his family. And on a lighter note, Sam Bennett, your United States amateur champion. Congratulations. I saw a little bit. I saw him standing over the ball doing a – doing a multi-raise waggle thing. It looked like a bad situation. I didn't get to see much of that. I was watching pro golf. My heart was with the USAM. But what's the situation with his pre-shot routine? Okay. It's a little bit, it looks a little bit like a checklist to me, you know, grip, check, stance, check, ball position, check, sort of a thing. It is regular, but I mean, the the amount of great golf that you have to play and the amount of circumstances that you have to be able to shrug off to win a championship like this, just the number of holes and the, the amount of you know vagaries of chance or, or or whatever you want to call it, the consistent great play that you have to put forth to win this championship is second to none. It's a tremendous achievement. So it doesn't always translate to a long career or you know success at the professional level, but it is the preeminent amateur event you know in this hemisphere. I think so. Congratulations to him. All right, congratulations to Sam Bennett. I should say that. We are rolling up on Live Golf Boston. I do intend to be there. That tournament starts September 2nd and goes through September 4th. We're going to have some previews. Hopefully, we'll have seven new players to talk about. We're going to see where they fit in on teams. Hopefully, Patrick Reed is still a member of my four aces. There's going to be a lot to talk about leading up to that event. And then we're going to, hopefully, I'll do some remotes there and do everything I can to get Troy on this show, have her talk about her life in golf and what led her to the Live Tour. Please, Troy, if you're listening, give us a ring. Come on the show. Yeah, real quick, uh, shout out the Wilds Golf Club, Prior Lake, Minnesota, in honor of Tommy Dubs. Um, it was, uh, I wouldn't walk the Wilds, but it was a, a enjoyable golf course out there. So shout out Tom Weisskampf. All right. Shout out Pooj. Went down four and two to eventual champion Sam Bennett. That's another reason that I'm so proud of Sam. He beat some big time competition, my man. We'll see you next week. Take care. Go Pooj. <laughs>